0: you can see the wayward peak the sound of the dwarven forge becomes louder as you are now entering into this mountain i do not look comfortable at all because we are underground and i uh, yeah not.
1: meredith isn't happy heaps either i don't
0: think uh everyone this is my brother rolfon He's uh, just a wee lad he's only 30
1: <laughs> hey Rolfin! I'm Meredith. It's really nice to meet you.
0: You're a halfling. I sure am. Come on everyone, come inside and meet my me ma and pa. This is my ma mother kegstone. Stu's already done. Come on in. And my father, Brill 4 Kegstone. Is that do Dot my my father. He's a bit of a stock gear. Brill 4 is staring daggers into you, Potentia. Whereabouts are you from? Dad, that's enough. Leave her be. I was just asking where she's from. Uh, I think it's time we all get a move on. If you could all just wait for me, I have some, some business to discuss with my dad. I'm gonna take
2: that opportunity to get out of the house!
0: And now we continue. It's all going to be stairs from here. Uh, we'll need to carry the, the uh, tools up. Um, just going to be the four of us.
3: Okay. How um, heavy is this equipment?
0: It's not too bad. It's... Oh, yeah, I forget how Harold has no strength. Mm. I would say with the four of you, you will be able to carry it without trouble. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. It might just be a little awkward for some of it because it's, like, a little long, but you'll be okay. You all gather up as much as you can carry. Uh, Some of you do not have particularly high strength scores, so that will be not as much as Hmm. some other people who are stronger than they appear, perhaps. But Professor Kegstone carries a fair bit. He has under one arm like a big... looks like a big roll of of fabric of some kind. Uh, And he also has a couple pieces of wood, like two by fours. And together... Uh, perhaps some of you carrying one end of a plank of wood the other on the other end make your way through the wayward peak through the dwarven fortress you get into several cramped mechanical elevators that tink 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 up they go higher and higher up the mountain Um, I will need to get all of you to make constitution saving throws
1: no, I got a 10. I also got a flat 10.
0: Four. The air isn't getting thinner because you're still inside this dwarven fortress, but... Mm. So
1: is that how that works when in an enclosed space? Like, would the air pressure stay the same?
0: It should. It's like an, like an airplane cabin.
1: So there'd have to be some sort of kind of like... Um, maybe there's like a dwarven um, pump kind of thing? That's there w- there is definitely in. a
0: pump keeping air circulating within this forge. Okay. Otherwise it would get exceptionally hot. Yeah. yeah,
1: that's true. So, can Harold actually suffer from altitude sickness then? Or is that when we go outside, ears are going to pop?
0: Harold's currently fine. But when he gets <laughs> outside, he is going to suffer some out- from altitude sickness. Fair enough. As you are making your way through this Dwarven Forge higher and higher, you get to a very small elevator that you all cramp in together and it ascends tick 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 halfway up and then clock stops as a gear locks and uh, professor kegstone has a deep uh, well guess we're climbing from here and he gestures to a ladder on the side of the passageway up the elevator shaft
2: you just hear like a a slight ugh, from of being like really climbing good
0: so he pulls out some rope and he starts helping you strap these items that you're carrying to your back so that you don't have to hold in one hand while ascend the ladder.
1: Are we strapping ourselves to each other?
0: That's a good idea. That's something I think you should you should do.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we should do that.
0: Professor Kirkstone is going to be the first one on this ladder. Who is going to be the second on the ladder?
1: Uh, I reckon Meredith will probably go next. I'm probably
2: after Meredith death, mm-hmm. I think. If Harold is logically bringing up the rear, but that's up to Ross, if that makes yeah. sense to me. I'll, um...
1: So Drolog is in there somewhere too, right? Oh, yeah.
0: No, Drolog's not coming with you.
1: Nice. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. No. Oh, okay. They
0: they, they separated uh, once they got to the, the zone household. Right. Alright, well, I would like to get athletics checks from each of you, please. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, Nineteen. 12. 14.
0: All right, you're all fine. You ascend this ladder and eventually... So you actually get to a hatch at the top, which Professor Kegstone, when he gets to it, turns a series of, of knobs to certain levels, like a, a very, very physical, mechanical tumble lock. hmm And as he turns the last one, he turns the lever... And there's a moment where nothing happens. And then all these cogs and things start moving. And this this hatchway opens above you. And you're able to climb up into this, this room. In this room, it's quite dusty. Like no one's been here for a very long time. And it takes a moment for your eyes to adjust because there's no lights up here. and Except for Potentia, who can see in the dark quite well. But... Professor Kegstone lights his lantern and you're in some kind of room full of levers and knobs and there are chairs like some kind of control room. Um, There appears to be an elevated chair in the middle of the room and Harold will notice that there is what looks to be a very large set of binoculars that are kind of up in the ceiling that appear to be on some kind of retractable mechanism that could be lowered. And you realise that what what is in this room, what you thought were walls, are actually very large panels of glass that are currently covered in what you imagine to be snow, very thick snow.
1: So we're in a massive observatory. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we are. So Meredith is just kind of looking around and going, whoa, <laughs> like overwhelmed.
0: Reza kegstone pulls out a piece of paper which is torn from some larger piece of paper and he looks at this this dwarven schematic and you get the idea that what the what he's looking at is where you currently are Mm-hmm. but unfortunately none of you can read Dwarven so I cannot reveal any further information hmm but he's, he's looking at this map and he's looking around the room trying to orientate himself to this, this schematic. Are any of you wandering around this room exploring? Oh, yeah. Heck yeah, yes. Yeah, I'll
3: have a good look,
2: for sure.
0: Okay. Uh, Potentia?
2: Yeah, I'm probably, like, putting all of the things that I was carrying down first. It's fair. first, And then you probably sort of have a bit of a wander and a look.
0: Okay, so I am going to roll the dice to let some fate decide that something is going to happen okay Potentia Mm -hmm. as you are exploring this this room you find this wheel shaped bronze object that is it's about the size of a cart wheel and it's kind of coiled in a circle and attached to the wall and as you get closer to it, these little pinpricks of light start lighting up, starting like in the very center at the top, and start lighting up around its body. And I say body because it starts to move and uncoil <laughs> as a No bronze centipede.
1: That's not okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> How do you react?
1: Take a big old
2: step backwards, I think. Ugh, not quite reacting so much as like that initial gut of like uh, uh
1: That is. Do I notice oh. this
0: happening?
1: Yes. Yeah,
0: uh. Yes. Definitely. Definitely. Harold does.
1: Mm. Okay. What about Meredith?
0: Uh, Meredith. Give me a perception check. Eight. No. Oh,
1: hang on. Perception <laughs> ten.
0: Okay. Yes, you do notice this.
1: Yes.
2: Okay. Uh, is everything okay there, Potentia? What on earth is that? Yeah, she's just pointing at the thing. Not kind of quite sure what it is yet. Like, it moved. Uh, mm. It lit up. Professor Kickstone. It. She stepped backwards.
0: So this mechanical bronze centipede, which is currently uncoiling itself and moving on this wall with... It doesn't have feet so much as spiked legs that roll around. Mm-hmm. And... It more has rather than like a sideways hinged jaw that you'd expect a centipede. It's more a traditional bitey, chompy, up and down jaw.
1: Hang on, do centipedes have sideways jaws?
0: Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Centipedes ah. and many insects they have sideways jaws. That kind of
1: that, come together. Oh, right. So it's kind of like a hingey sort of like thing, yeah. rather than
0: yeah. So a, that like they're sideways, that, that clink together, and they
1: rather than great big gnashing teeth. Anyway. Mm.
0: So, uh, you've called out to Professor Kegstone, and he looks over, sees what's happening, and goes, one minute! While he looks at the schematic, quite with urgency.
1: Uh, Is this supposed to be happening?
0: Potentia is the closest thing to this creature. Uh, It is going to lunge at Potentia. Does a 15 hit you? Yeah, it does. It lunges out from the wall to bite you, and does six points of piercing damage.
1: Ouch.
0: And two points of lightning damage. Ow! Uh, so we are currently in combat. Initiatives, please.
1: hmm Uh, 19 plus 4,
2: 23. 19. Uh, also 19. Alright. But I think my dex is better than yours is.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Got to break a tie somehow.
0: <laughs> All right, Meredith, you're up first. This thing has just lunged yeah. from the wall. If it was to be fully upright, it would be as tall as Harold is. It's mm-hmm. it's quite a long centipede. It is, it is medium sized.
1: All right. I am going to um, unhook my crossbow from my back. And um, I'm gonna fire at it, so I need to roll an attack. Don't I? Uh, that is a 13 plus five, then. So that's an 18. It's an 18 hit.
0: An 18 hits.
1: Okay, cool. So that is 1d6 plus three, missing damage. Wah! And that just rolled off the desk. Uh, six <laughs> yeah, plus nine. Uh, plus three is nine.
0: Okay.
1: I'm also going to do a bonus action and cast Healing Word on Potentia. so first level. Uh, that is 1d4 plus three. Um, three plus three, six. So Potentia takes and like heals six points. Thank you. No worries.
0: Okay. Next up, Potentia.
3: Because we can um, we can decide amongst ourselves if we want. It's.
2: I don't mind. With what I'm going to do, I, it doesn't matter whether I go first or not. Um, does my location matter to you? Um, yes. How large is the room, Ben?
0: This room is a 40-foot diameter circle. uh, At the the center, which is that chair.
3: Yeah, that changes things a bit. All right, um, cool. Then I will, I'll let you go first, Potentia.
2: Cool, 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 cool. That's not stressful at all. Um, okay, I'm going to pull from my back... Um, Using two hands, my quarterstaff, because I have no spells that are going to work this close, and just bring it like a crack straight down on top of the thing Mm -hmm. that is right next to me. Okay, I should have gone first. Doesn't matter.
0: (laughs) All right, roll to hit.
2: I'm right next to it, so. Uh, Is 14?
0: 11
2: plus 3. Yeah, 14.
0: That hits.
2: Um, does one because it's two handed uh, does 1d8 plus one come on little octahedron uh, is an eight so that is nine points of bludgeoning damage
0: okay um, since you're right up next to it you noticed mm-hmm. that your hit you've, you've practiced a bit with this quarterstaff you know what your hits do this did not, it looks as though your hit did not do as much as you would expect it to. Oh no. And since you're up next to it, you also notice that Meredith's bolt seems to not have actually pierced as deeply as it originally impi- like appeared.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Cool. Well, um, okay. And then I am going to take the opportunity attack and leg it as far away from it as I can get.
0: Okay, which I'm guessing is across the entire, like, most of the room?
2: Basically, yeah. If, if it's a, a circle, then yes, please.
0: Okay, does a 10 hit you?
2: No, 10 does not hit
0: All right. You <sighs> get out of the way as it, it lunges at you again Smack. and tries to bite you. And then
2: just, like, leg it out of the way to the other side of the room. So as she's running, she yells across to Meredith that the uh, crossbow bolt didn't do as much damage as perhaps she would have expected it to. And then sort of whip back around, so I'm facing it again. But like, uh,
3: what, Harold? All right, Ben. Now describe describe the room to me. You said it's a forty foot square, right?
0: Circle. Circle.
3: Circle. How high is the roof?
0: <laughs> you popped up behind this this main chair.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I'm going to drop all pretense here for a moment and explain to Ross, the player, that this room looks very similar to the bridge of the Enterprise.
2: Okay. I was going to make
0: yeah. that yeah. joke
2: and then didn't make that
0: All joke. Right. So
3: here's my Damn question. It. It, the, the, the location of everybody is extremely important, I think. Um, is anyone within 10 foot of the centipede? No. Okay. Not anymore. Here's what I would like to do, at the DM's discretion. Uh, Entangle is a twenty foot uh, square. I would like mm-hmm. to cheat slightly by making ten feet of that the floor and ten feet of that the adjoining wall, so as not to like bending. so as no so as not to get anyone else but the centipede in within the the vines that will sprout.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so you want to angle that ten feet kind of up against the wall.
3: Well, yeah. like this, basically. Like, literally 10 foot yeah. and then 10 foot up.
0: Yeah, just go right. Yep, I'm, I'm okay with that. Great. That seems fair. In
3: which case, I will cast Entangle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it must be a strength uh, of 14 or be restrained.
0: Okay. So, this actually has advantage on this check.
3: Oh, interesting.
0: It rolled a 15. That'll do it. Uh, so, your vines will erupt... Through the glass, shattering some of that glass. It's the only place where there could be any nature that could, vines could erupt from. I think in this room.
3: Well, I don't know if they, they yeah, I don't know. I don't know what clusters the ground is the problem. Like it, it talks about the ground, mm. but I don't know if surfaces are just the ground for the purpose. Let's of say the sky. that there are
0: cracks appear in the glass and sure. vines erupt out of it, yeah. trying yeah. to to grasp it. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, the the area is difficult terrain now just as a side okay. down. cool cool
0: Professor Kegstone is going to make a investigation roll mm. okay this creature all of those lights on its side flash in sequence from its head to its tail mm. and electricity arcs along the ground around it and each creature within 15 feet of it which is currently none of you.
2: Mm. <laughs> like it, like it, like it.
0: So as, as electricity arcs along the wall and the floor and up onto the ceiling lights on the ceiling light up and two more of these things drop down and uncoil. <laughs> <laughs> Um, So I am going to roll initiatives for them and slot them in. However, they have dropped down into Ross's vines. Do they have to make saves? Um. Or is it only on cast?
3: No, when you cast, they have to succeed, but it is still difficult terrain.
0: Okay, difficult terrain then. So, Meredith, you're up first.
1: Okay. Um, Meredith is just going to yell, Professor, if you were going to do something, now would be a really good time. Um, and then she is going to cast, um, Thunder Wave. Um, so, that what is... What is the range of Thunder Wave? Thunder Wave is 15 foot cube. So you need to get myself. up
0: closer to them.
1: Oh, uh, boo. Yeah, I do too, don't I? If I get up closer to them, I'm putting myself up for attack, aren't I?
0: Yes.
2: That's generally how that works.
1: Yeah, shush. Oh.
0: <laughs> which That's why you bought the crossbow.
1: That is why I bought the crossbow. Um, I'm actually very okay being farther away, so I might actually just fire up the crossbow again.
0: All right, roll to hit. Which one? I'm assuming you mean the, the one you originally shot at, the first one?
1: Yeah, so 16 okay. plus 5, 21. That hits. Mm-hmm, and then 1d6 plus 3... Uh, so that's an eight eight points of damage which means it it'll get four I'm assuming or lesser than that but that's
0: okay you don't know it's true it doesn't look healthy it looks like you've successfully combined done some damage to it and it's it doesn't look as as comfortable in its movements anymore okay potentia
2: how close are they to each other
0: they are now all within 15 feet of each other cool the one up on the wall and the two on the ground
2: great so I am going to... No, none of us are within ten f- or five feet of them. No. no. Um, From where I am, I'm going to spin around. I'm going to cast Shatter, such that it is centered, which is a 10-foot radius sphere, such that all three of them are within that sphere.
0: Okay. Yep, that works.
2: So that is a con save for them. Will that
3: overlap of... with the class?
2: Yep.
0: All right. So they will get it... At Vantage on these rolls because of something they have. Uh, I'll roll the first one uh, first. Hang on,
2: wait—are they made of an inorganic material, like metal? Yes. Then they get disadvantage on that throw, so it's a flat throw.
0: It's a flat throw. Okay. Uh, so I'll do the first one first. It's a con save, you said. Yes. Six on the first one. That fails. And then we'll do uh, the one on the left that dropped down. That rolls a seventeen.
2: That succeeds.
0: And the one on the right rolls a fifteen.
2: Okay, so two of the, the second two succeed, and the first one fails, but they still take half damage. Okay. From this, so I roll three d eight. Fourteen. So fourteen points of damage for the one that failed, and seven each for the other two. It is thunder damage
0: the one that you t- like the one that you hit first mm-hmm. like the namesake of the spell it shatters <gasps> the two on the ground take damage they do not appear to resist it uh, right some of their armor plating has cracked also mm-hmm. the glass window i'm going to have to roll a save for it cracks horribly but does not shatter
2: I'm just going to take the, like, last 10-foot movement back so mm-hmm. my back is
0: uh, against the uh, far wall
2: away from them.
0: Okay. Harold. All right. Um, so do either of them look
3: less healthy than the other? There's two left. They,
0: right. they both look like they've taken seven points of damage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What okay. does that
3: look like, Ben? Um,
0: <laughs> they look equally damaged.
3: Hey. All right. Uh the right one and i will cast guiding bolt uh does a 17 hit it does okay that'll be 14 points of radiant damage
0: uh describe that as you destroy this creature
3: yeah so essentially like i with my constellation orb you see um like a number of stars light up in sequence and then just a beam of like starlight will shoot from the orb And Mm -hmm. as it hits, like, literally it looks like it's covered in stars with a glow. And as they get brighter, the stars just sort of fly off as just...
0: It collapses to the ground, no longer moving. The lights inside fading, leaving only one still active. And it's turn. Now, these things aren't particularly intelligent. So it has just seen Harold fire a beam of energy that destroyed its companion. So it is going to move towards you. It moves the first five feet at double movement because of the, the vines that you've got.
2: Yep. Half movement.
3: But it costs double is what it's Yeah, saying.
0: so I'm counting the, the five feet as ten. Oh, yeah. Sorry. So it can only then move 20 feet, which is just outside of range of, of Harold. But the lights on its head light up mm-hmm. and they flow down its body and lightning arcs into the ground around it. Harold, please make a dexterity, dexterity saving throw. All right. Ooh, not great. Nine. Ooh, okay. You are going to take 16 points of lightning damage.
3: Cool. Ooh.
0: Professor Kegstone, having deciphered what he needed to on the paper, looks up into the room, directing his voice towards this creature, and says, Barthun. It stops and looks at him. And then Professor Kegstone says, Della da. And it kind of coils back and goes back up the wall, up into the ceiling.
2: Hey, it's Kate, your social media maven. If you've been following us on our socials, you'll have spied our recent spot the difference puzzle. We promised to release the seven differences this episode, so here they are. The flower Harold is holding and the stone in Potentia's ring are both different colours. Potentia is missing a ring on her right hand, the bench is missing its plaque, Harold is not only missing his shadow but also his bottom button and lucky last, we changed the entire sky to be a different set of constellations. If you want more of these puzzles or to be the first to learn about the world of Dungeons & Doctorates, check us out on social media or jump on over to dndoctorates.com. That's dndoctorates.com.
1: And now back to the show. So Meredith just kind of blinks a little bit then looks at, at, prof- at the professor and goes, Would you not have done that earlier?
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to find the right words.
1: Ah, it's all good. Sorry we kind of destroyed your centipedes. They're,
0: they're technically not mine. I believe they belong to the fortress. I didn't expect there'd be any still active up here.
1: Yes,
2: it's...
3: Oh. <clears throat> it's uh, been a long time since someone been up here, it looks like.
2: Sorry about the wall.
3: Ah, yes, we did. Oof, uh, we did rather make a bit of a mess, it looks like.
0: Ah, uh, well, that's okay. I'm glad you're... He looks at you, Harold. All right. Uh, you look a little... You probably see Harold, just like his head
3: twitches slightly as the, the, the aftershock is like... I, I think I'll be okay. Um, uh, Can I assume we have a little time to rest, though? I Oh wow
0: yes uh, really before we, we get oh. outside uh we'll we'll take a, a, a rest in here that climb was was kind of tough too
3: yes um yeah it was a little bit all right well I um hopefully we didn't do too much permanent damage to this place um can I assume this is the observatory
0: no this is actually uh the control room for the fortress oh it's where they originally would have piloted the mountain as it moved.
1: Oh, I see. Fascinating. Really? So who who pilots it now?
0: Well, no one hasn't been moved for for a, a, a long time.
1: Ah, oh, interesting. She just kind of looks around. Uh, in
0: fact, uh, so my family have a, a history of working up here in this room. My grandfather, he. Was responsible for maintaining some of the lenses that they would use for for distant spotting.
3: Oh, that makes sense then. Why you would have such a keen uh, interest in astronomy? How um, how did your father get into to brewing then? If your if your grandfather was a pilot.
0: Well, no, my grandfather wasn't a pilot. He was more to do with the the maintenance. Hmm. Okay. And uh, the engineering side of things. No, see, I think. My, my father, um, I don't know, he just decided that yeah, he wanted to carry on some of the older family traditions with the Bruin. I actually think my grandfather, he was the, the rebellious one who took things out of the family line. Oh, yes. Well,
3: I, uh, I, I, uh, I can definitely um, appreciate that. Um, well, if you don't mind, I'm just going to uh, sit for a little while while these bolts stop coursing through my body. Ah, oh, those things.
1: Do you need uh, a hand there, Harold? I'll be
3: okay. You're um right? I, I think I just need a little rest while sure? my things settle down. Uh,
1: yeah. I might just keep an eye on you, though, and she kind of, like, grubs, you know, beckons him over to sit down yes. against the wall.
3: Uh, I think that's a, a good idea. hmm uh, And assuming this interaction is over, Ben, I'm going to take uh, a couple of hit dice while we rest.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, take a short rest. Yeah. Get some hit dice back.
2: While they are resting, did mm-hmm. any of the snow on the outside get dislodged by the, I don't know, Ooh, nice. entangled vines wow. and uh, ear-piercing scream that cracked the glass such that outside uh, can be seen?
0: Not enough to to see through. The, the snow is quite thick on the outside of that glass. It might be a little brighter in that patch, but not enough to, to peer through. Mm-hmm. Um, so as you, you rest Professor Kickstone takes some more time to study this piece of a schematic he has just want to make sure that if there's anything else up here I know the right words
2: it's a good idea um potentially just gonna go and sit in the chair that's in the middle of the room
0: of course she is
2: <laughs> of course she she's not going near the wall again not after the mm-hmm. centipede bar she's like uh, uh. where is the furthest place from the walls there's the middle
0: and there's chair. okay so she's gonna get. Um, mm.
2: She's gonna have her Jane Way moment.
0: It's fair. <laughs> uh, you would find the chair to be a little short and uncomfortable for your for your liking.
2: You said it was elevated, so
0: yes, it is elevated, short. Yeah. but it's also dwarven made for dwarves.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, but you do have your moment of sitting on the it's command like chair,
2: casting my legs over the side.
0: Yeah. I'm gonna roll a percentage dice to see if something happens. Ooh, okay. While sitting on this chair, taking a moment to relax and uh, casting yourself about the room, your hand accidentally brushes something on this chair, a, a small, almost imperceptible switch on the side of the chair. And that binocular-like device mm-hmm. up in the ceiling descends like a periscope and a submarine down in front of you.
1: Oh. Uh, mm-hmm. um, wh- what did you do? Didn't
2: I? Uh, can I see if I can see... Can I see the switch? or like I, I know I would have probably felt it.
0: Yeah, you. you can see the switch. Um, it looked as though you've just kind of unlocked it and it's just come down just through yeah. gravity. Uh, you'll notice that one of the lenses in the set of binoculars is missing. Okay. It is now technically a monocular, a telescope. But...
3: Mm. Um, Potentia... Do you think maybe it might be wise if we keep our hands to ourselves for now? I don't want any more surprises.
2: She just rolls her eyes at Harold, who is sitting against the wall, trying to rest and rec- recover himself. I'm not going to peer through the, the the what I perceive as a as a set of binoculars with a broken lens.
0: Not not broken, missing,
2: missing lens, but just sort of continue to sort of sit on that chair like, fine, I won't touch anything else. I'm still going to sit on this chair. T- brought me inside a mountain. I don't like this being inside a mountain business.
3: All right, well, um, I'm <laughs> feeling a lot better now. Uh, should, we, should we move on?
0: It would be sometime in, the, in towards the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Uh, Professor Kegstone will make his way to the side of the room. He's put on a thick woolen coat. I hope you've all brought some, something to be warm. It's going to be a bit chilly out there. Have you all brought something warm um, with you?
1: Yes, Meredith is like digging around in a pack for a coat.
0: I mean, you have your magical cloak, your magical coat.
1: It's true, I do. But she's got like an extra kind of woolen sort of jumpery thing that she's digging out from the bottom of her mm-hmm. pack. Because Meredith has been on the road, she comes prepared. I was going to say, yeah, I've got like the kind of cape cloak.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And I, I would assume I Harold, being pretty well off, had appropriate attire for this and would know it, they were going mm-hmm. up the mountain because he was told that was what they were doing, so...
0: Yeah, all right. He turns, a like, a big wheel handle and this door cracks and creaks open and there is a immediate, like, hiss as mm. what is this pressurised room, effectively, is now exposed to the outside and this cold rush of air comes in and Harold immediately has his ears pop and is a little off-kilter as the altitude suddenly equalises with this room.
1: Is
2: mm. <laughs> <laughs> anyone...
3: Oh, oh my god. Ooh. You okay? You know that... Ooh. You know that thing when your ears sort of suddenly shift? Mm. Yeah? Wow. I'm sure I'll be fine in a moment, just getting used to the altitude.
1: Hmm. Yeah, just just take it easy there, Harold, okay? Yes.
3: Actually, I don't think I've ever been up this high before. I've never really been one to adventure too far away from home, so...
1: Me neither, actually. I mean, I have been a fair way away from home, but I've never been up this high. This is really it's cool. It's a shame
3: it's so dark. I would love to be able to see the, the, the view from up here, although the stars are so so bright up here.
0: You're walking outside onto what is a like a flat, carved plateau of stone, uh, like cut into the mountain. Uh, the peak towers above you still, but you're many thousands of feet above the ground below you, um, um, well up into the snow like level. Even though it is towards the end of summer, there's still snow out here. And the snow crunches under your feet as you walk outside. This is not fresh snow. This snow has been sitting here for some time, and so it's reasonably solid. But as you look out over the horizon, you just see this beautiful night sky, the stars overhead filling horizon to horizon all the way around you. And while you cannot necessarily make out the details of the landscape, you see this, this black, shadowy landscape laid out amongst you. You can see patches of where the river winds its way towards Ferramustus, you can see Lake Elwood dimly reflected in this small moonlight but it is dark up here not for potentia she can see quite well but even she can't see the landscape laid out before you too far
1: wow Mm. Meredith is just like looking up up with her mouth open and then she just kind of looks at the others and goes you guys seeing this This is incredible! Look at all the stars! Oh my goodness, I've never seen so many in my entire life.
3: Meredith, (sighs) uh, come over here for a second, and um, what I'll do is uh, I will hold the the constellation sphere up to the sky in front of you. I guess I'll bend down so that you can see this. Thank you. And I'll say, um, if you look very closely, you can see how all of the stars on my sphere here. mirror exactly the position of the stars in the sky. Wow. I haven't been able to learn too much about this thing. I'm still trying to figure it out, but... Um, Your uncle gave that to you, right? Yes. I'm, I'm not sure exactly where he yeah. found it, but uh, he was on one of his little okay. like, you know, adventures, and um, what I do know is that um, ancient druids used to use the power of the stars uh, to perform great mm. acts of magic, and I'm still trying to learn those same things myself. You may have seen a few of the little things, the tricks it can do, but... Um,
1: oh, I think you're underselling it a little when you call them tricks, Harold. They're pretty Well, impressive. I'm
3: still trying to master them, but uh, maybe one day, you know. But um, yes, this thing is, uh, is is very accurate. And um, one of the reasons we're here is um, there are certain stars in the sky that don't appear on this orb. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are peculiar lights in the sky, um, Professor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Professor Cakestone could probably explain it a little better than I. It's his, it's his, it's his high idea. But um, these stars appear to wander across the skies as the year progresses. And um, right,
1: can you can we see some of them now? Uh, I'm sure Professor Cakestone kind of could, looking around. Uh,
0: Points them out.
1: Professor, can you see any at the moment? While
0: well, Harold and Meredith have been admiring the sky. Professor Kegstone has been assembling something. All of these planks of wood and bits and pieces that you've been bringing together. He has assembled two triangular frames with ratcheted bits to allow allow the frame to move and sit, even in the snow. And these planks of wood have been assembled into a solid wall on one of these triangular frames. And he unrolls this, this bit of fabric he has and places it onto the frame. And as it sits there, flat against the frame, he whispers something to it, and this six-foot circular piece of fabric becomes a portable hole, a ten-foot deep space that extends beyond where that wall should actually be. And in this six-foot-wide, ten-foot-deep space, there is a telescope, and he's basically created a portable office space observatory in this (laughs) portable hole. (laughs)
3: Ah, <laughs> oh, that's rather neat.
0: Yes, I'm quite fond of it. Uh, it's been in the family for a long time, and I inherited it when my, my grandfather passed. Uh, I don't know if he'd appreciate how I've turned his workshop into an observatory, but here we are.
3: Well, it sounds like um, your grandfather was very into... Uh, what do you call these? Are they optics?
0: Yes, well, in fact, this is a, a lens that he had in his collection, uh, which potentially would swear she recognizes at mm. least the the twin sibling of-hmm and this this telescope here it's got a lens at the front and it's got a mirror at the back so so light will come in be captured by this lens and focused onto this mirror which then will bounce back up and he gestures to an eyepiece which sticks at the top of it mm. the front to this point here which even though this uh, telescope is only a couple feet long. It actually doubles the, the distance you can... It, uh, I'll, I'll give you a book on telescopes and you'll, you'll be able to read more about how focal length and, and diameter works for, for telescopes, Harold. Oh. Uh, but this is a, a, a bit more complicated than your average kind of telescope.
3: Ah, fascinating. It
0: uses many of the benefits of, of other telescope designs. It's actually something of my own making.
1: Oh, so you designed this yourself.
0: Well my grandfather Meredith just kinda of piped uh, up. He did some of the work and I've adopted some of his in, and, and brought them into mine.
1: So it's kind of designed specifically for dwarves, you would say?
0: It's designed specifically for looking at the heavens, looking at the stars. Okay. Uh, if Harold, if you'll give me a, a moment here and help me adjust this base, uh, I need to be able to fork any points towards a, a section of the sky. I need mm. to f- have it looking that way, and then we'll we'll see if we can find our blue wanderer.
3: Yes, all right. Um, Yeah, let's get to it.
0: Okay, so Harold and Professor Keckstone will take some time. It'll actually be at least 30 minutes of calibrating and aligning this frame and this telescope to where he wants to see. Um, What does Meredith and Potentia do during this time?
1: I guess we go in... Is there, like, a ledge we can sit on? Well,
2: Potentia has not so much come out onto the big flat expanse as she is sort of standing where that door, frame, like, the, the doorway opened up. Because for her, the sky is different to the sky she is used to. Because she is on the opposite side of the world, to the the side that she grew up in. So the stars are different. And so she is sort of, during this entire conversation that's happened, has been just kind of not, not not coping with this idea, but like... Mm -hmm. Dealing with this slight uncanny valley that is what happens when you go from one hemisphere of the world to another, and the sky, the markers that you are used to seeing in the sky, are not there anymore. For example, um, for those of us in Australia, we are used to looking up at the sky and seeing the Southern Cross. If you go to the Northern Hemisphere, you don't have that, or you—it's the same in reverse, where they don't—they people look for the North Star, and we don't have it here.
1: also, fun fact, the moon is upside down yes, in the
2: Northern is. Hemisphere. These are, t- mm. trust me, as someone it who has been to both places and sat outside at night and looked at the sky, it's, it's, it looks it's weird. weird and wrong and you can't quite tell why. Uh-huh. Because, and it's because your frames of reference are gone. Uh, and so for her, her frames mm-hmm. of reference are gone. Mm.
0: And, and since coming here to the, the southern part of the world, you spent most of your time either on a ship or in a city. Yeah, Surrounded by light. And so this is your first good look at the night sky here.
2: Exactly. So she's sort of a bit just kind of dealing with that part of a new experience.
1: This would be something that I think Meredith would totally notice. (laughs) Um, And she like trots on over to Potentia and like looks up and then looks back at Potentia and then looks up again and then kind of goes, you okay?
2: The sky is wrong. What do you mean? Oh, um, so you know that I uh, grew up a long way away, yes? We've... Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So, um, this sky to you is probably normal. This is what you see and have seen since you were a child, yes? Um, yeah, pretty much. This is not the sky I grew up looking at. Um, I, I don't know how much Oh, know. is it different? Yes, it is different. The stars really? are in the wrong places, and some stars that I am used to seeing are not there. Um... So it's just a bit like what? Tell me. I, I, there are stars I'm used to seeing that aren't there. Um,
1: like what? And Meredith is looking like earnestly interested. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm sure if
2: you uh, if you went travelling, you would find that there are constellations that you are used to seeing. That you know, you might you might have been. Ta- I don't. Know. Are there constellations here that you were taught about when you were small?
1: Yeah, um, Ben, are there constellations here that I
2: was taught about when yes. I was small? So, <laughs> Sorry. As a, as I a... was just like, oh no, I'm going to have
0: to do mm-hmm. this to Ben. <laughs> so, uh, as a halfling, they have a mm-hmm. long tradition of looking at the stars as navigation markers, because some halflings mm-hmm. have travelled quite a long way to find a home that they found comfortable. And Aww, there are certain stars that you know, that you were told as a child, like your your father took you outside and pointed at certain stars mm-hmm. and little little Meredith and said, you know, when you see these stars line up, you follow them and you'll get home.
1: Right. Okay.
0: They will lead you back to back to home. Now he wasn't necessarily thinking into your adulthood, but wandering around the countryside as a child, there will be many times that you would have gotten a little lost, maybe on an adventure. I would
1: have totally gotten lost.
0: And then looked for those stars found them walk towards Mm -hmm. them and found your way home they would be uh, Mm -hmm. similar to the stars that we have in our world like the pointer stars Mm -hmm. that kind of you know always are in north for example yeah you
1: can yeah so Meredith looks up and she kind of kind of looks around for a bit and then she goes oh okay do you see those ones up there so those three that are kind of in a row if you draw a line into that kind of dark spot you end up being able to see, I think it's called the South Celestial Pole, and then you can kind of draw a line down the, down to the horizon and you can find your way home. That's, and you can kind of tell, like, that's south. And so you can find your way home. Okay, so uh,
2: there are... That, that is not a constellation that I recognise, for example, but there are uh, constellations that people also use to navigate and things. Where I am from and um it is very strange to not see those things here and mm-hmm. as she's talking you see her start to just fidget with the necklace that hangs around her neck just absent-mindedly as mm-hmm. she's talking to you
1: Meredith just kind of pats her on the elbow and goes yeah I can imagine that would be a bit off?" but I'm able to
3: overhear this conversation how far away are we
0: Mm, okay, it's not a question of how far away you are, it's how focused you are on what the current task you're doing. Mm. Harold's passive perception is at a high enough score that you would hear this conversation happening, but you are currently focused and listening to Professor Kegstone and engaged in that task. So whether or not you are focused on this task is too distracting.
3: hmm
0: I will leave that to Harold to decide.
3: Okay.
2: Yeah, he's probably not listening.
0: I mean, he's busy. He's working with his professor mm. on a, a like proper observatory type thing. Yeah,
2: mm. Doing the real studies, not just the people studies that Harold likes to do. <laughs> mm. It's not so much off-putting as it is, um, I guess, disorienting. It's fine, but yeah. it's, it's weird, I guess.
1: It might just take you a little while to get used to. Yeah. And I mean, now you know how to find south in the sky. I do.
2: That's true. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Uh, No worries. Anytime. I mean, it
2: does feel slightly like it points away from the things I'm used to and into different things, but it is good to know that that's the way south is. True,
1: but I feel like that's kind of part of the exciting part of travelling, isn't it? You get to learn new things.
2: Says the the halfling who has been not so very far from her own home.
1: Good point. Meredith doesn't seem to to mind this. She just kind of, It's like, just a small a says, small mm.
2: smirk on Potentia's face as she says it, just in a, like, you know, she she has already espoused on her uh, gap decade uh, that it has existed, and there's this heart of being like, isn't
3: travel great? <laughs> <laughs> travel is
1: wonderful. <laughs> uh, is Potentia
0: that person yes? who spent, like, a semester in Europe and now doesn't shut up about it?
2: No, I think she's the, I think she's probably the person who, like, uh, if if you were pulling from that pool of people that you might know, is like the person whose parents took them to lots of places when they were a kid, and they don't talk about it. But they're like, yeah, been there. Whenever someone like brings it up, they're like, yep, yeah, in been, been there too. Yeah. Yep, that one as well. <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Hello, my friends. It's me, Ben, your friendly Dungeons and Doctorates DM here to remind you to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Doctorates, and to use the hashtag DNDoctrates when you talk about the show. You should also check out our website, DNDoctorates.com, where we've got all kinds of information about characters and locations in the show, and you can find all the links if you want a mid-show message read out on the podcast. Or you want to submit a question to the next episode of The Common Room. Let's get to this episode's mid-show message. I'm going to pass this one over to Gore. Thanks, Ben. This message comes from Temperance, and it's for Narcissa. Narcissa says, Friend Temperance is sorry she got you killed. Nothing can replace you, and nothing will stop me from making this right. I don't know what Temperance did to get you killed, Narcissa but they will make it right. Gore appreciates a good friend like that. Thanks, Gore. And if you would like Gore or one of the other cast members on the show to read out a message, just follow the links on our social media through our link tree and submit your messages here for the show. The next episode of the podcast is coming out next Thursday, the 3rd of December. So keep an eye out for the final episode of The Wandering Mountain Art. Now, let's get back to the episode. All right, let's uh, jump over to, to Harold and Professor Kirkstone. Um You've spent some time, you've angled this portable observatory towards the right half of the sky, and you've spent some time adjusting this telescope to get it to where you need to go. Harold, you've spent a little time with, like, handheld telescopes, or, like small portable ones mm-hmm. but this is the first one you've seen like with a professional mount that can really adjust and fine-tune and so you find the whole process to be entirely fascinating mm. and something you didn't necessarily expect maybe was that it has effectively a targeting ret- reticle on it like it has like a like a crossbow sight mm-hmm. on it so that it can he can eye in where he wants to look and then in the telescope itself looking down the eyepiece get the final adjustments he needs mm-hmm. whereas you previously have just kind of looked at the general area and gone, I'm gonna look at that and then done the best you can with your own hands mm-hmm. but as soon as he gets what, whatever he's looking at in his sight in his other hand he starts taking notes numbers they are deg- like degrees he looks to the, the side of his, his workspace as a little clock. He makes a note of the time, he makes a note of the day, mm. specifically where he's looking, and also an approximation of where he is.
3: Right. So in um in our last academic meeting, I, I rolled a natural twenty for like academic progress.
0: Um mm-hmm.
3: so would it be that like the books that I've read, I would probably understand the notes that he's making at this point?
0: Yes, okay. yes. But it also means that you know that he's cited what he's looking for. Mm-hmm. And even though he's quite serious in what he's doing, there is a smile creeping upon his face. Mm-hmm. And you've, you've spent some time with him with varying amounts of drink. Mm-hmm. And you've, you've seen him exposit long about his research and get excited this is a level of, like, quiet excitement you haven't seen. Mm-hmm. And he he almost can't tear himself away from looking down this, this eyepiece. And it's a full minute, two minute, before he stops what he's doing. <sighs> Places himself in the room, looks around. Harold, yes, of course. Um, he steps to the side. Please, <laughs> have a look. All right, I will... Um...
1: Oh, I'm excited. Yeah, put my eye to
3: the eyepiece.
0: Uh, it takes a moment for your eye to kind of get that right focal distance so mm. that the the image becomes clear. You first see is a blurry blue circle.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And then you kind of like, like with using a, a microscope, you have to kind of adjust things to your eyes or just kind of get that right yeah. distance. Mm. And this circle begins to resolve and... What you see takes a moment to register mm. what you are looking at through this telescope, millions and millions of miles away, millions and millions of kilometers away, as we know it today, mm. is a planet. Mm-hmm. You are looking yes. at a blue world. A world that appears to even with like with this kind of resolution, you can make out there is land mass. Mm-hmm. There is blue, which might be water, and it appears to also have clouds.
3: Hmm. Probably, as I'm looking, I'll say this is uh, fascinating. Um, it doesn't look like a star at all. It's like it's like a marble suspended in the sky somehow.
1: Um, <laughs> is that a is that a blue, marble? a blue marble, yes. I
3: describe what I see to. I don't know are the other are girls nearby probably not right
0: I think they're all having a conversation about the sky and the stars mm. and
3: well obviously like Harold hasn't quite put all these pieces together that modern Ross has so um, I'll turn to Professor Kegster and say this is this is extraordinary what do you think this could be?
0: I think the the simplest answer is going to be the best one this is another world like our own
3: that's just astonishing i mean do you do you think people live there like us or uh, i mean imagine if if you know if, if if there's more than if there's more than one there there could be who knows how many there are
0: well you know that there are a number of wandering stars they could all be worlds too
3: this this could change everything i mean This is... I don't... I really don't know what to say.
0: It's... It is research that I have been working on for some time, but I've never been able to get a good enough telescope with a clear enough night. I think other academics in the past, they may have had this same theory. But here, tonight, you and I, we've seen it. And, uh... Well... How good's your sketching?
3: Um, that's a good question. I will, uh, I will get out my sketchbook and cast guidance on myself, um, which gives me a plus four to the check. And I will roll. What should I roll, Ben?
0: Uh, let's call it a dexterity check. I think. All right,
3: just straight dex. <laughs> uh, not a
2: performance check. That's no, what
3: I would no,
0: think. No, no, he's not performing to someone. He is creating a thing with his hands, so oh, dexterity makes the most sense All in my mind. Let's go, Dex. Mm-hmm.
2: And,
3: uh,
0: and actually, because you are a druid who has studied the stars, I'm going to allow you to add your proficiency bonus. Okay,
3: it's not very good. Uh, it's a straight ten. Even with guidance, yeah, I rolled a one for my D four and a seven on my D twenty, but with my um, proficiency, it's a ten. Okay. Well, I mean, that's 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 an average job, to be fair. I mean, it's, yeah, it's that's not a bad
0: that's either. a yes. It's it is no way a detailed drawing, mm. but it is still, nevertheless, a drawing of another world.
3: I um I will shout um. Uh, Meredith, Potentia, you, you have to come see this. It's it's amazing.
1: Ooh, what is it? And um, uh, Meredith just kind of like trots over.
3: I'll decline. <laughs> I'll decline to describe what I've seen because I don't want to like.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah. I, want, I want to get like a so does um, does the professor let me have a look? Yeah. Yeah. So she looks into the eyepiece and is just like, oh. wow. I mean, what am I looking at? That looks like that looks like ocean. Like there's blue bits on a on a sphere. It looks like there's blue. It would look like
0: the moon, except blue and and like different. Because
1: yeah, Yeah, that's like that's the only frame of reference you
0: have of looking at
1: uh, a celestial thing. Is this is this a moon? I don't I don't understand what. or is this what right. a star well, looks like? Uh, you
3: know how the our own world that we live on is round. Yeah. Um. Uh, looking at this, it, it.
1: That's why. Hang on. That's why we see different things in the northern hemisphere and the southern yeah, that's hemisphere. That's right. And the sky, because right?
3: um, you know, early scholars right, worked okay. out because of this that, and also using the sun that the that the world we live on is is round, and.
1: And she looks over at Potentia and like gives her a thumbs up. Well, the, the fascinating <laughs> thing
3: with what you're seeing in front of you here is that 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 thing that looks like a you know like a marble um, is also round and could uh, Professor Kegstone believes be a, a whole nother world just uh, somewhere out there in, in the sky.
1: Whoa. Meredith just just kind of blinks and then looks back and looks like looks away from the telescope and up at the sky and goes. Which one am I looking at? Uh,
3: and and to, to, aid my, to, aid, to aid me in, in that, I will, I will look at the, um, the constellation sphere and pick the point of light that isn't mm-hmm. there and just sort of yeah. point my finger up at that spot.
1: So it's, oh, it's, okay, so it's that one. And then she just kind of looks up a little bit and then kind of cocks her head to one side and goes, so it's the one that's not twinkling, right?
3: It appears that way. Yes, it's um, also a little brighter than many of the stars in the sky as well. And if you it kind of
1: has a bluish tinge to it, doesn't it?
3: Yes, if you if you really look hard at it, you can actually see that it's a slightly different color. Only from here, though, of course, in um, you know, without having enough light, it's not always apparent. In I've never really noticed the color so much in the city. Uh, I. I think may- maybe there's.
1: Yeah, everything's a lot clearer out here. Yes, yeah, so I'm it's
3: suddenly incredible. realizing what I've been missing out on, uh, like my whole life, basically.
1: While they're
2: having this conversation, Potentia's gonna stoop down to look in the telescope on account of it being way closer to the ground
0: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> than she is. <laughs> she's not saying anything, she's just looking.
1: What do you think, Potentia? I don't know what to think. It's crazy, isn't it? Meredith's eyes are, like, round with excitement.
2: It certainly seems exciting. She casts a glance across at Harold.
1: Just to think, there are there could be people up there. I know. I mean, how many more worlds are out there? You said that there were more wandering stars yes, up in there, the sky? Yes, uh,
3: of course there are several uh, of these, these wandering stars. Uh, do we even call them stars anymore? I, I don't know. I mean... They seem to be something completely
2: worlds?
3: different. Um,
1: I mean, how do we know that they're not? "Wandering
3: Worlds" has a nice alliteration to it. It does. It does, I, doesn't it? We're going to have to document this very carefully. I, I don't know if anyone is going to quite believe it without seeing it with their own eyes. I,
1: I don't know if I would, to be honest. It's just um, Meredith for the first time looks like she's out of words.
0: Professor Kestarian says. This is why I've been doing this research for so long, building up a case so that people who, who haven't seen what we've seen will believe us. We don't want to be labelled as madmen. No. Well, you've
1: got a telescope, don't you? Can't you just show people?
3: I think the problem is, Meredith, that uh, in the city where most of the scholars reside, there's there's too much uh, there's too much activity and light in the area to, to clearly get an image of, of this, this object mm. here.
1: You can barely see the stars from the city murder well could you not invite people out here i mean this is incredible people need to know it's just i feel i feel so small you know in a good way in a very good way and i mean i know i'm i'm short but i mean like i feel small as in like suddenly i'm not the only We're not the only people. We're potentially not the only people in the universe. That's incredible. I mean, we do,
3: of course, already know about other planes of existence. Um, There are many stories uh, from people who have ventured beyond our own realm, but to think that our humble realm may actually be a lot larger than we thought is. uh, Mm. Well, it's very humbling, isn't it?
1: It is humbling. That's absolutely the word I was looking for, Harold. It's just mind-blowing
0: and of course we'll have to name it something too it's not a star
3: did it have a name previously I mean I, I, I suppose it must
0: I mean the wandering star is kind of a, a, a human common phrase but originally it was named after the, the goddess of, of wealth and entertainment maybe we should call it Mezana.
3: I think that's uh yes that, that sounds, sounds very good. appropriate
0: and if it has an ocean Maybe it has life. Mezana is a a goddess of motherhood, too. Seems appropriate.
3: I just wonder how we could possibly ever uh, get there to find out. It just, it seems so uh, alien, I guess.
1: We live in a world of magic, don't we? can figure something yeah,
3: out. So I, I, something tells me, though, it might, might be a little bit beyond the range of, like, a teleport <laughs> scale, you know? I mean, I've, I've seen wizards travel great distances, <laughs> or at least read about it in, in, in my books, but I, who even knows how far away that is? is I mean, is there a way to, to, to tell, Professor, how far away this, uh, this other world might be?
0: Oh, it's a bit difficult. We'd need to make many more observations and do a lot of trigonometry, I think.
3: Oh well, that's not exactly my strong suit, but
2: um.
0: Well, actually, uh, you bumped into my, one of my other students, uh, I oh. believe, last week. Uh, he's currently working out how far away the moon is. He has aspirations of going there one day, but I'm not sure about that.
2: Yes, well.
0: But you know, wizards are crafty. Maybe he'll he'll work something out.
2: Potentia does not react to that sentence. At all. (laughs) Maybe just shoots a glance across at Harold.
3: I don't think he meant that as an insult. I think he was extolling the intellect of wizards. Mm -hmm. Harold, though, is probably too, like, Mm. probably doesn't even notice um, Potentia's glance. Mm -hmm. Like, he's just so engrossed in, like, making sure that he copies all of the... um, measurements that kegstone has made so there are more than one copy and probably attempts a couple more sketches uh you
0: know. so so you and Professor kegstone are going to be doing this for most of the night you'll be adjusting the telescope as the the stars move over throughout the evening well as the world spins the stars appear to move throughout mm. the evening um, so you'll have to keep adjusting as it travels in that arc across the sky Can Uh, I ask a question, Ben? Yes.
2: Sketcher that we got in week, in orientation week,
0: which you handed back at the end of the scavenger hunt.
1: Ah, Did we? Yes. Okay. They collected it at the
0: end. Okay. I don't remember them collecting
2: it. That's why I
1: was
0: like, "That's an expensive piece of equipment." Okay. Um, That they (laughs) handed out in in good faith, Uh, but Harold and and Professor Kegstone are going to take most of the night to look at the newly named planet Mezona. So what are Meredith and Potentia going to do as these, these two guys just spend their time looking at the stars? I mean, you can look at the stars as well, but they are getting down to science and getting down to work. You have many hours. You can go to sleep if you want to. You can camp out here.
1: Yeah. I think um Meredith is probably gonna go to sleep. She's had a really long day.
0: Are you gonna sleep out and here on the I'm gonna call it the step? Or are you gonna go back inside yeah. into that warmer room?
1: Nah I'm gonna sleep under the stars. Okay. Okay. It's gonna be great. So she's gonna like spread out her bedroll, which is like a really warm, fuzzy one. And um and she's just gonna like settle down for the night and go to sleep staring up at the stars. Can I
2: get a mental like layout of where everyone is on this quote-unquote step and how big it is and stuff.
0: So, this step is... It is roughly rectangular mm-hmm. and it is cut into the mountain on two sides. So, like, the mountain has been cut. So, one of the, mm-hmm. one of the corners is up against the mountain. And the short edge is 30 feet long.
2: Is that the, the, ledge, the edge going away from the door or the ledge... The edge that
0: the door is on? The the door is in the very centre of, of that 30 feet. So it spreads in 15 feet okay. either side. And then yeah. the long edge is mm-hmm. 50 feet long. Okay. And so the other corner is basically, if you were to walk off that, you would be then sliding down the mountain.
2: Yeah. And where are Harold and Professor
0: Uh, They've kind of placed themselves roughly in the middle of this space to allow them mm-hmm. to turn their apparatus, their observatory, as they need to. Mm-hmm.
1: Where's Meredith going to come from? Near the door, I think. Where's the door? Which side? On the 30 foot. Yeah, edge. it's, Short it's in the middle of the, the 30 foot
0: edge. That's against the mountain. Okay.
1: So she's going to take shelter kind of in that.
0: Yeah. Get kind of like away from the wind slightly as well.
1: Yeah. So like, in the, cor-
2: in the yeah. corner where the two verticals
1: are. With the two mountains.
0: Okay. Um, so it is cut into the mountain. There are vertical walls that go up um, about 50 feet on each side Mm -hmm. Uh, and then the natural mountain kind of continues up uh, uh, probably a couple thousand feet above.
2: Can I ask which way Harold and Professor Kegstone are starting this evening looking? I know this is a lot of very specific information I'm asking for, Mm -hmm. but there is a reason, I promise.
0: (laughs) They will start their evening looking somewhat towards the door and by the end Mm -hmm. of the evening they will be looking the other way.
2: Okay, that's fine. Um, she's going to go and sort of perch herself away from the door, the, the opposite end of the rectangle to the door, mm-hmm. but close to the other vertical wall, so she can kind of lean up against. Yeah. That. Um, I don't, I, Does I, potential have any trouble something. with heights? No. Okay. I mean, like she's not right on the edge. Yeah, but yeah. But she's not like. Okay. You know, she's. Um, and at some point during the evening, although they've probably too absorbed into their their studies of the stars and Meredith is probably fast asleep at this point, uh, if Harold were to look over, he'd probably see her just staring off at what appears to be a bird flying around in the sky, just out over the, the view that she can see. Okay sort of hanging out for a bit probably have a rest in a bit but just sort of enjoying this weird new sky and, and awake and alert enough to sort of be like if anything's happening
1: he's mm. awake okay for a while anyway all
0: right is anyone doing anything else this night before the dawn comes
1: i can take a long rest then
0: you can take a long rest
1: yeah